Hello, and welcome to Husband and Wife Time, a podcast celebrating Lifetime movies. I'm Matt Capriletti. And I'm Elizabeth Blickel. And we are here today to talk about the 2017 film, The Bachelor Next Door. The movie opens up in Colorado in 2007. Alex, played by Haley Duff, skips the game to stay at her... I think it was a sorority house. Is that the implication you think? Mm -hmm. Okay. And while her friends are all at this game, she has a nightmare about her attempted rape, wakes to discover that the door to the patio is open, and in one of the more baffling choices we've ever seen, she makes the decision... To hide under the covers. Yes. Literally, she gets out of bed and then gets underneath the covers to hide. Yes. As if that... (laughs) It's completely implausible that underneath the covers there would be a person sleeping in a bed. It's a strategy used by a child before they've developed that thing called object permanence, where they know that, like, things exist when they're out of sight. It's the equivalent of when... Like, one of our nieces or nephews was, like, 18 months old. And you'd be, like, playing peekaboo or hide-and-seek. And they close their eyes. And they think you can't see them, not <laughs> right. vice versa. So, anyways, she hides under her covers. And a hooded man approaches her bed. But then hears her friends coming back from the game and runs out through the patio door. She's also, it should be known... Wearing a gray sweatshirt that says Forever Girl Gang in pink on it. That's right. And if I close my eyes, it's like I'm back at my own sorority house. (laughs) You mean your shirt didn't say Forever Girl Gang or Saturdays are for the girls? No. I don't know if I have any shirts with pink writing on them at all. I've also never referred to my group of friends as anything other than my friends. I've never called them like a crew or a girl gang or like a squad. Uh Yeah, I don't think I ever would. Oh, well, that's a lie. That's a lie. I said we were like a coven. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't you like to know what we were doing that led me to call them a coven? (laughs) Don't get me started on the Salem Witch Trials, please. <laughs> I I won't. And he's actually being serious. And he he would probably like to reference that one of my friends has the name of the protagonist. Oh, in, I wasn't even thinking there about the Crucible. In the oh, Crucible. My but we're not going to no. start shouting out people by name. But so her friends come home and say, come play some game with us or something. They want her to come hang out. And she proceeds to leave her bedroom to hang out with her friends without telling them about the intruder. Right. Which is not okay. Yeah. I mean, if you're living in the house with other people, wouldn't your roommates want to know that there's just been a hooded man? Yeah. hanging out casually? I don't care if he's not stalking me. Yeah. I don't want a stalker in the house. You don't know what they're liable to do, including... Trying to get into the bed with your friend. (laughs) I don't care that it's not happening to me. I don't want it to happen at all. Anyways, we cut to LA 2017. And 
Haley Duff's boyfriend, Gavin, played by Stephen Bruns, keeps asking her to marry him, but she says she doesn't want to be a wife. That's right. She goes into this whole explanation that she'll have to start cooking dinners and having children. Not necessarily, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Some of us don't cook and don't have kids. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that at all. I cook. I used to cook more, but never anything I would share because it was verging on inedible. Oh, that's not true. The dry patties that I used to make. Mm. I make a mean Thai green curry yes. sauce. Splendid. And there are limited other things I'm capable of making. That Vitamix mac and cheese you made that one time? So, that was labor intensive. It was... The juice was not worth the squeeze on that. And I love mac and cheese, but that thing took, I mean, hours. Also, (laughs) the fact that Vitamix had that in their cookbook was crazy because the use of the Vitamix as compared to the use of other things. Sure. Very limited. Yeah. Whereas the, for the Thai green curry, it's actually crucial. You could not get the cilantro ground up the way you need to without some sort of food processor. So how I would describe Gavin is that he has brown hair and he looks like the man barbecuing in a Sears circular. (laughs) He's generic attractive in a very forgettable, nondescript way. Mm -hmm. That's really all I have to say about that. Oh, also, we should mention Haley Duff plays a painter in this movie, as in another one that we are going to try to find yes it's not currently available on anything but in that one there is a scene that matt and i quote about her painting in front of the window like a slut to this day <laughs> that's not our observation of her that's painting. what no i would i don't even that's understand what her husband says that's what her right? husband says and i don't even understand it yeah. but we should not besmirch Gavin's name by creating the implication. Yes. He says anything about her painting. No. He has nothing negative He's to say. He's very supportive of Alex's sure. painting career. I just thought I'd mention it. I can't really figure out why Lifetime movies love making their characters certain things like painters or like cookie bakers. I don't know if it's some sort of like... At some point, I think we're going to need a Lifetime movie pr- protagonist linked in. And suss yeah. out the job opportunities. They, they almost never work. You're not seeing like a CPA. You're not seeing someone who works at a Quiznos. They're, they're never in... <laughs> what? They're never in like boring office jobs. No offense, CPAs. Your work is very useful, especially this time of year. But like, <laughs> much like being a writer, the the act of your job is boring. Whereas maybe that's it. That painting is like a job you can watch someone do. And it's not the most boring thing on the planet. Because like, if you watch a writer work, it's the most boring thing in the world. And you've done it. Both the writing and the watching a writer work. Who have I watched write? Didn't you have a seminar where you were able to watch... The guy that wrote. Oh no no no! It was that was on a Zoom, okay. and it was a writing. A lot of writers are doing that now, where they're writing hours, and you like, it. It's just a way to keep yourself accountable, okay. so you sit down. I mean, yes, I did see someone famous writing, which is the kind of thing only a writer would nerd out about. 
Okay, so after Gavin leaves for work, the smoke detector goes off while Alex is painting. Right. And boom, Donnie, played by Michael Welch, rushes in to save the day. And not only does he rush in and save the day, he comes over with a fire extinguisher in hand and says, oh, it's just a fried extension cord. And it finds out that uh, she's worried about her paintings, but those are safe. Alex is really thankful. Uh, it's the first time she's met Donnie, who lives just as recently moved in next door. And wouldn't you know, Alex and Gavin are having a party soon, and they invite him over to the party uh, so he can meet some people. The day of the party, Donnie hasn't shown up. They've got a room full of people, and the guest of honor isn't there. So you see Gavin walking over to Donnie's house and tries to get him to come over. It seems like it takes some convincing, and he narrowly misses a whole bunch of stalker photos of Alex that are in Donnie's house. Gavin is a banker, right? Or yes. uh, an investment manager of some sort. And Donnie's talking finances. He's trying to ingratiate himself to, to Gavin. There are a lot of generic financial terms yes. thrown around, like diversify and portfolio. <laughs> yes, it checks, checks the boxes. So... Gavin is finally able to get Donnie to this party and Alex introduces him to Sage, her little sister, who is played by Brittany Underwood. And Sage hits on Donnie. Yeah. The opening line is amazing. It's one of my personal favorites because he wants, she wants to introduce him to a couple of other people at the party. And she says to him, let me introduce you to Ginger and Marie. They're from Osceola, Georgia. They're hilarious. And Gavin and Alex are looking on and Gavin asks if they should warn Donnie that Sage is crazy. Oh, yes. Sage is every bit the crazy little sister, apparently. Which is is to say she's not at all. And we throw that term around about women for no reason. Also, it's kind of funny that he uses that term to describe Sage when, in fact, Donnie is 14 crayons short of the full box. <laughs> and and the... I'm talking about the eight box or crayon <laughs> yes. box. For certain. So after the party, they leave together. They go to a diner, which should win Matt's heart, but we already know that Donnie is a bad guy. Yeah. And no amount of Monte Cristos or disco fries that Donnie could order could ingratiate himself with me. So then Donnie shows up at Gavin's work unannounced and meets Gavin's ex-girlfriend and current boss. And Donnie picks up on the tension between the two of them and then tells Gavin that he wants to invest his inheritance through Gavin. Now, during this meeting... Gavin acts as though it's weird that Donnie mentions that he researched him. And there are several moments in this movie, this one included, 
where Donnie does something that I consider to be within the realm of normal behavior, and he is treated as if he is doing something abnormal. For example, researching someone you plan to give a large sum of money to okay. is not crazy. Sure. I would research someone if I was putting even three figures worth of money sure. with them. Because for all you know, he's a complete scam artist. These people don't know each other. Right. Uh, on the other hand, Donnie has shown up unannounced without making an appointment, and he refuses to give his last name to yeah. the receptionist. He says, oh, just Donnie. I'm his neighbor. But even having an office is not proof that you are reputable. I mean, Bernie true. Madoff had an office. Yes, that's true. What if they're not a what if they don't have any financial background? But this is Gavin. Gavin's Gavin. a solid guy. If you showed me Gavin's picture and like ten other brown haired men's pictures, I would be hard pressed to pick out Gavin and we watched a movie he was in last night. Okay. I- I'm saying that man could abscond with your money. And I would not I- I'd be like, I don't know who to who to tell the sketch artist to look for. He's just very like He's very nondescript. Yeah. Okay, so then we get to one of my least favorite scenes. Now, Bruce Boxleitner has had a few weeks rest. I don't think I'm going to bring him out. I rode him too hard. (laughs) He's still tired. (laughs) However, in the next scene, Alex goes to her art gallery to ask the owner of the gallery if any of her paintings sold. None have, unfortunately. I should mention, the gallery owner is a white lady. She's blonde. And she has dreadlocks. (laughs) She's wearing a purple bandana. So she looks kind of like she's in Guns N' Roses. (laughs) She's also wearing a sequined top that looks like reject Stevie Nicks. This movie could not have been made any earlier than 2016. They don't, it doesn't take a long time to produce a lifetime movie. They kind of get them out, get them out to the people. Sure. Which means that in 2016, someone chose to have a bit character who is white have dreadlocks. And when I tell you Matt and I discussed that for 30 minutes this morning, was it a one-sided conversation? (laughs) You know it was. I won't bore you. Other people have had more profound thoughts than I have about why white people should not appropriate hairstyles that do not belong to them. So I'm not going to pretend I have any new thoughts on the subject matter. What I will say is in 2016, we were aware that black people were discriminated against for their hairstyles. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it was known. And to make that choice in 2016, to try to make her seem free spirited or whatever was the hope by having a white woman with dreadlocks as the gallery owner was not necessary. I came up with a couple of ideas for how you could achieve making someone look artsy 
without doing something racially offensive. Every art person I've ever seen has had some asymmetrical haircut or like Clara Bow lipstick or gigantic necklaces. How about around. a beret? I don't knock yourself out with a beret. I mean, I don't. I'm not a beret person personally. I'm just, I'm just coming up with ideas. Maybe to bring back to your rejects TV next, it's uh, shall I say more than just on the edge of cultural appropriation. That's the other thing. The bandana and the outfit alone would have been enough to make her distinguished as artsy. It was just an unnecessary moment. And I can't think of a time when it's necessary to appropriate hairstyles. Yeah, the other thing I was going to say is it's also bad when a movie has nearly as many white women with dreadlocks as it has black people. So... No paintings of salt in the end. And we never see this art gallery owner again. <laughs> Thank God. She vanishes into the night with her white dreadlocks. <laughs> she goes back to spring break in the Caribbean. Sudani so shows up, brings a surge protector over, and says, Oh yeah, I had fun. Sage, she's a great girl. She see, he sees Alec's painting, he compliments it, and the painting was about her assault. And Alex really isn't in a place to expound upon the motivation and inspiration for the painting. I think she doesn't want to. Yeah. I, and that's... She's the artist, it's her yeah, prerogative. I think, I think that's a distinction to make, though, because he wants her to. Yes. And she does not want to talk about it. And then, of course, he says that he hopes eventually they'll become close enough so she can discuss the inspiration behind it. And isn't this also where he utters that line about... She talks about her paintings not selling, and he says, Picasso didn't care about sales, neither should you. And, I, you know, I'm not a Picasso scholar. He's not my favorite artist. That being said, I'm pretty sure Picasso, compared to a lot of his coevals, was a commercial success. I'm not saying that he was a, you know, multi-multi-millionaire, but I'm saying I think his work sold during his lifetime. He was famous during his lifetime. Yeah. It's not like he was discovered afterwards. Now, whether he was worried about commercial success or not, I do not know. But he had commercial success. So the the comparison is a weird one to make, especially when I feel like the more typically used commercial failure example is Van Gogh, who I believe sold either one or two paintings during his lifetime. But did Picasso have to paint with surge protectors around that could, quote-unquote, malfunction at any time? Yeah, exactly. So... Then in the next scene, Donnie is trimming Alex and Gavin's hedges without asking. Just, you know, your average do your chores, doing the chores for your neighbors, I guess. I guess. He should also water the lawn because, zing, their yard was super patchy. (laughs) Alex and Gavin, they have a busy life. They haven't had time to keep up their lawn. They do, but I mean, if this guy is a successful financial investor... 
He mentions having a gardener. He does, in fact. Well, does this person just trim the hedges, or do they see that the yard looks like absolute trash? But apparently he trims the hedges asymmetrically, according to Donnie, (laughs) expert topiary artist. (laughs) So then Gavin gives... No, not Gavin. I can't do the names. Donnie. Yes. So then Donnie gives Gavin the spare key to their house back. It was in a... um, fake rock which i mean true to what donnie says about it looking fake and being very obvious it was very fake looking and very obvious but i think we're supposed to take from that moment the implication that donnie probably had a moment to copy a key if he had found the spare key right which makes sense because of a lot of stuff that comes up later on oh yeah so gavin comes home and alex is really stressed out by Donnie's behavior. And so Gavin and Alex decide to go to her parents' they call cabin. It cabin. Yeah. <laughs> AKA a mansion in the middle of nowhere. So I guess, yes, rich people probably would call it a cabin. <laughs> I love this is supposed to be so isolated. That there's no cell phone service yeah. at all. They yeah. go they go to the gas station to make calls. Remember, Sage says, I called you from the gas station? Yeah, she says, I called you from the gas station payphone in 2017. Come on, people. We're to believe that she used a payphone in 2017. There's a lot that was wrong for the time period about (laughs) about this movie. So anyways, uh, they go there for the weekend, and lo and behold, Sage and Donnie are already there. Donnie reacts to the (gasps) arrival of these people like... Someone just showed up. What's the guy who shows up at the door with money? Oh, Ed McMahon in the Publishers yeah, Clearinghouse yes. Press Patrol? Yes, he acts like that person has just <laughs> showed up. He's like, what? <laughs> what? What? I mean, he's not a very good actor. Donnie, not, I'm not insulting the actor who yeah, plays Michael Donnie. Yeah, Michael Welch really Michael, captures Michael it. Welch does, but he accurately captures this person faking surprise at a, at a turn that he desperately wanted. Yes. So then Gavin and Alex go out to the yard and Gavin proposes again. And this time Alex says yes. And they tell Sage and Donnie, who barely controls his rage. So then after dinner, after the proposal, after the fake happiness, everyone goes to bed. Sage and Donnie are in separate bedrooms. Yeah. And Sage sneaks into Donnie's bedroom, kisses him. Donnie kisses her back and says, starts murmuring sweet nothings using the name Alex. And Sage pulls away and asks how long he's known Alex. Yeah, he says, Alex, I've always loved you. And he says, he's just known her since the fire. And Sage tells him to leave. What's confusing is, why is Sage sneaking into Donnie's room. Their parents are not there. Who does she think she's going to offend? And if they decided to have separate rooms, not because there's some authority or adult figure there, it feels weird to sneak into his room because it's... If you've outlined that you're not going to pursue sex... It seems like a 
changing in intentions to then sneak in in the middle of the night. She says at some point that they were going, she says, you know, disgusted after he says her sister's name. I can't believe I almost had sex with you. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so you planned to have sex with him, but you're not sharing a room? Yeah. It does. I, I don't think I would. For me, I would share a room with someone if I thought that was the direction it was going to go. Right. Although, are we to believe at this point they've only hung out once before at that party? So maybe, I don't know. But so what? They were they were talking earlier in the night. They separated to go to sleep. Yeah. She gets super horned up. It doesn't add up. <laughs> and then... And then sneaks into his room right. well I, again i don't understand the sneaking who are we hiding this from is she trying to hide it from donnie or is she trying to hide it from her sister and gavin because yeah. i don't think they would care right. and also it's the middle of the night so it's not like they were sitting up waiting to hear a creak of sage sneaking you know yeah. floorboards creaking as sage sneaks in i think they were kind of just like you live your life we'll live our lives right besides they're in recently engaged bliss so yes. you know, what do they care so then Sage kicks him out, he leaves, and he screams at himself in the rearview mirror on the drive home. And I had flashbacks to Jenna in our last movie, although he does not have the long hair to toss. That's true. He was working at a disadvantage. But it's fairly solid car freak out. It always is. Yeah. <laughs> so then... Alex gets up to check on Sage. She's heard arguing. And Sage says that it's over with Donnie and explains that he said Alex's name while they were kissing. And we get home from the cabin and Donnie is taking out Alex and Gavin's trash. Naturally. Without asking. Yes, of course. Which brings me to an important question. Would you be okay with our neighbors taking out our trash without asking? I don't know that I would. Especially if let's, the... Let's say our house, like their house, the trash cans were kept outside. Uh-huh. So they would not have to enter our residence right. to get the trash. If they don't have to enter our home, it seems like just a nice gesture. This is what I'm getting at. Some of the things Donnie does seem over the line like trimming the hedges yeah maybe you could say that's a bridge too far but the trash thing i was like he didn't have to go into the house he just drags them the length of the driveway which they share it looked like yeah so to me i was like man i don't think i'd care i mean he does other things that i'd be like that's creepy yeah (laughs) but that i was like Knock yourselves out, neighbors. Take our (laughs) trash out. Gavin then does an internet search, finds an article saying that Mr. Bradford died in a car crash, and Mrs. Bradford is on life support. Now, this was a moment where I was expecting a payoff, and I think Matt had said he expected something similar. When we saw in the article that Mrs. Bradford was not dead... I thought at some point she would come out of the coma and say, that's not my nephew. Mm -hmm. I don't have a nephew. Yeah. I like that voice. Or or something. 
So it was a little strange that it didn't pay off. Stranger still, as Matt pointed out to me when we were watching, the number of typos in the yes. article. <laughs> the writer of that needed a serious copy editing. Uh, he pointed out to me multiple typos. First of all, the spelling of I-75 or I-95. Yeah, it was like iMac. Yes, or... <laughs> it looked like an iBook. But also, they had Mrs. Bradford, formerly Ms. whatever her maiden name was, instead of formerly. Yes. That really bothered me. Yes. Especially during tra- uh, after such a tragic accident. I mean, formally was spelled correctly. It was, in fact. Which is not the right word. So then Alex finds an earring in Gavin's clothes. And she checks Gavin's email and sees an email from his ex-girlfriend slash boss who says that she wants to rekindle their relationship. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like Gavin's done anything up until now to be suspicious. No. It, I mean, she's she's ready to be suspicious. Yeah. To distrust. Donnie, of course, in a well-timed moment, probably because he's surveilling them, comes over to apologize. And Alex says that she thinks Gavin is cheating on her. And Donnie says that a woman came by looking for Gavin when Alex wasn't home while Donnie was in the yard, and that it was Jennifer, the ex-slash-boss. Then Donnie gives Alex a hug and has just the creepiest smile on his face. And then Gavin comes home and says, get off my fiancé, and punches Donnie and then throws him down the stairs out of the house. Yeah. And Donnie gives another creepy smile, which is a is a classic lifetime villain thing to happen. You know, violence is visited upon you and you smile in reaction to it. Right. And it seems like he's borne the brunt of being thrown down some terracotta tile stairs <laughs> with remarkable recovery and resilience. So then Alex and Gavin are alone and she confronts him about this supposed affair. Gavin becomes enraged and says he's going to get Donnie. Donnie, we see him pulling away and driving off. Gavin takes off in his car. Donnie then is on the phone with the police saying he's being followed. He says the guy following him has a gun. He gives a little bit of maniacal laughter. And then we see Gavin arrested. So then Alex goes to Donnie's house and she sees all of the stalker photos and there's a video of her having sex with Gavin and Donnie comes home and chloroforms her. Yeah. But I, before we move on, I'm going to mention there are like thousands upon thousands of printed photos of her arranged in a very orderly manner. But this guy must be a Shutterfly VIP. Yeah, I mean, there there are thousands. I'm he not has exaggerating. Made mugs. He has made. Yeah. So then Alex wakes up in Donnie's car, and he's taking her to the. Do they call it a ranch or a cabin? They do. Uh, I think they do both. Okay, so he's taking her to the ranch cabin that is gigantic, and he chloroforms her again, and then she wakes up to. Hello, beautiful. (laughs) And Donnie is in front of a fire. And he has a gun, but he says he won't hurt her. Of course not. 
He admits he set up Gavin, but he says Gavin can't protect her. And then he says, I'm not stalking you. I'm helping you. I mean, if you could see the wall of cameras that's surveilling Alex and Gavin's home, there must be major TV network newscast rooms that have fewer cameras than Donnie had on Alex and Gavin's house. How is it helping her to film her having sex? That's one of my... I mean, not to... There's not usually a lot of logic and stalking, but not to pry loose his logic. There was literally no need. Why am I saying literally so much today? I don't know. This is like the episodes where I said (laughs) y'all. Okay. So Alex, during the ride, before she got chloroformed the second time, was smart enough to uh, call... Gavin, and I guess it didn't make enough noise for Donnie to notice it, and she leaves him a voicemail so he hears where they're going. The cop calls Gavin and confirms Gavin's suspicions, and the cop says to wait for local police, but Gavin won't. He's going to go save Alex. Yeah. So meanwhile, we flash back to Donnie and Alex at the cabin, and Donnie's holding her face and says, You really don't remember me, do you? You don't remember what I did for you 10 years ago? And then we start a series of flashbacks. Oh boy, it is a jolt. Flashback one. Donnie is in glasses with acne. And he's saying, we have art history together. You smiled at me when I smiled at you. I thought we had a moment. Do you want to go out? And she runs into Johnny... And says, save me from this guy while hugging him. And Johnny takes her away. Johnny also happens to be her assailant. Yeah. So then in flashback two. He goes into a bar. Starts talking to her. It reintroduces himself as the guy from art history. She says she's not interested. He says, I just want to be your friend. And she says, you're really creeping me out. And he just chalks that up to peer pressure. Right at this moment, I I would like to mention, she seems like someone who, as a result of the attempted assault on her, is very nervous. Guarded, let's say. And yet she has forgotten someone some man who came out of the ether yeah to try to get close to her multiple times right i found that to stretch plausibility Mm -hmm. just a bit yeah anyways so then in flashback three donnie sees her getting assaulted by johnny and fends him off and gets beaten within an inch of his life as a result Mm -hmm. by johnny donnie and johnny really yeah I mean, this is almost as bad as those twins that were named the same name in Double Mommy? Was it Double Mommy? Charlie and Charlotte? Yes. This is this is the new Charlie <laughs> and Charlotte. Donnie and Johnny. One of them couldn't be John? <laughs> so that there's not so much whatever. This movie was written by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Oh, maybe it was. <laughs> this is one of the racist, apocryphal... <laughs> what? 
You don't want to clip the duck. Well, cut it out. Who cares? Um, so then in flashback four, Donnie breaks into her house to watch over her. And he tried to crawl into her bed to keep her safe, but her friends came in. So that was the opening scene that we saw. And now we're establishing it as a flashback right. again. And Donnie was You know what I bed. just realized? What's that? Minutes from now, Donnie will say that he was in a hospital for months. Yes. And did not see her post-beating until now in LA. And yet in the series oh, of flashbacks, yeah. we have established that that cannot be true. He was not in the hospital months later. And he did see her between beating and LA. Huh. See, this is why you don't line up things in flashbacks. Right. In a series of flashbacks, because it, it makes it easier to find inconsistencies. Yeah. <laughs> why well, I'm treating this like it has to the scrutiny we're subjecting this it's one the to is film of lifetime movies. okay so anyways he present day Donnie is saying he didn't think he was worthy to see her until now she says you're insane he says you're so ungrateful I was in the hospital for months after that beating right which we've established is either not true or a goof. Like a film goof, not right. not a joke. I'm saying it might have been a, an error. So then Gavin arrives at the cabin. He's got a gun. Donnie yells at him to stay back. I'm not finished telling my story. Donnie claims that Gavin was there when Alex was assaulted. And Gavin says he just saw somebody getting beaten up by one of his fraternity brothers, and the police told him that he was a hazing victim. I was also confused by that. Uh, there, I mean, I, I didn't realize how many things about this movie confused me, but I was also confused about that. Because if someone was a hazing victim, at least the only way I've ever heard hazing talked about is an older fraternity or sorority member hazing a pledge, a recruit, you know, a younger member, but it's someone in the fraternity or sorority. If that was the case, Gavin should have known the person. And known that he was not in his fraternity. Yeah. And therefore, yeah. I've never heard of hazing being used to describe someone who was not a known party. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. You know, I went to a bar and then I beat someone up. I was hazing them for right. hazing them for what? Yeah, right. Life. He didn't like their face. <laughs> so then Alex says, you're not turning me against Gavin. You're crazy. And Donnie says, I've loved you from the minute I saw you and you reject me over and over. We're going to die together. <laughs> Alex then steps on his foot. Gavin shoots him in the chest, but he gets up. And so Alex shoots him in the forehead. And for a painter, she's a pretty darn good shot. Gets yeah. him right between the, 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 in the forehead. Yeah. So then a year later, we're at the cabin. Gavin and Alex are getting married. We see Sage has a new boyfriend on her arm. And then at later, Alex is painting outside. 
The wedding was sparsely attended. Mm-hmm. If if last week's psycho wedding crasher, we told you that it was less populated than a Marriott happy hour, <laughs> this wedding looks like a Marriott bathroom. There are like seven people right. there. That'd be a really busy Marriott bathroom. I don't know. It's it's very uncrowded. With nary a animal figurine in formal wear. Yeah. Where are the ladies from Georgia? Yeah. They weren't in attendance. Yeah. Ginger and Marie? What, do they have other plans? Okay. So I think that's the end of the movie. I did trivia this week. Now, I told Matt there was no good trivia. Okay. And it's thin, comparatively. We don't have a Leoriel here. (laughs) (laughs) However, there was one piece that will excite, well, excited man. Matt will think it's fun as a result. Okay. Michael Welch, Donnie. Mm -hmm. All you need to know about him is that he played Mike Newton in the Twilight series. Anyways, moving on. Michael Pfeiffer, the director slash co-writer. He is also the writer-director of Party Mom. Yes! And My Daughter's Psycho Friend. Okay. I don't know if we've seen that one. It just sounds like something we've seen. We may have, but Party Mom's a real gem. Yes. So, would you like to guess which one of the actors in this movie he is married to? Haley Duff? He's married to White Dreadlocks. What? Kaya Coley. Oh my goodness. Kaya Coley, the white dreaded... Art gallerist. Gallerist. She's been in My Daughter's Psycho Friend, Anniversary Nightmare, Deadly Lessons, Party Mom, and 16 and Missing. Wow. Additionally, this woman has been in a real cycle... Of dog-based movies. <laughs> she has been in The Dog Who Saved Christmas, My Dog's Christmas Miracle, A Christmas Wedding Tale, spelled like the body part and not like a story, <laughs> Gabe the Cupid Dog, The Dog Who Saved the Holidays, Lucky Dog, and Twelve Pups of Christmas. Oh my goodness, that is an incredible... And if specialty. You, and if you want to see any of those, I'm assuming you can turn into the Hallmark Channel. Yeah. I was I was hoping and waiting that there might be an Arab Bud movie in there, perhaps Seventh Inning Fetch it, or World Pup. It feels like the missing component of yeah. her career. Like her whole career has been building to starring in one of the Air Bud movies. Okay. So Brittany Underwood, Sage. She was in the movie Game Change, the HBO Sarah Palin movie. Uh-huh. Who do you think she played? Bristol Palin? Willow. Ah. Okay. Stephen Bruns has been billed as couple on plane, presumably one half of the couple. He's yeah. one person. In what Christmas time movie that you like? Here's a hint. Kitchens. The holiday? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which brings us to Haley Duff, Alex. 
Did you know that she had a cooking show called The Real Girl's Kitchen? I did not. Okay. Did you know that she was a co-producer on both Material Girls with her sister and Legally Blonde the Musical, The Search for Elle Woods? Good for her. She was also Sandy Jameson on Seventh Heaven. But the piece of trivia I liked... On the show American Dreams, mm-hmm. the music-based one that's... Yeah, set in American Bandstand. Right? Yeah. Who did she play? She was on one episode, and I'll give you an additional clue. With her sister. Who did she play? So you have to think of musicians that are sisters. Yeah, right. And you have to think of the 60s. The Andrew sisters? No. You also have to think of a musician I would be even remotely interested in. Oh. Sorry, Andrew's sisters. She was she played the Shangri-Las? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. I'm assuming she and Hillary played Betty and Mary. I'm uh, assuming Hillary played Mary and she played Betty. It's it's not credited which musician she was. Mm-hmm. It just says Shangri-La. Okay. <laughs> I like I've never heard them referred to individually yes. as a Shangri-La. Uh, I was curious about who played the twins, but I couldn't find photographs. And that's really it. That's all. That's awesome. <laughs> that's a real bright spot. Yes. I mean, honestly, I feel like everything else that has happened in both of their careers has been downhill since they played the Shangri-La. Right. <laughs> There's really no peak you can achieve quite like that. Do you know if they got to sing? I'm assuming they did. I mean, the whole thing on that show was that, like, people came on... And sang, like bandstand. So they had a lot of musicians Mm -hmm. perform as other musicians. Right. So I think they probably sang. And my guess is it was Leader of the Pack. Yeah. It's the most famous one. It's worth checking out. That show is actually quite hard to get. (laughs) Well, no one watched it when it was on TV, so I don't think they've put it on anything streaming. Right, right. Oh, I think it was an NBC show. Maybe it's on Peacock. Hmm. We're not sponsored by Peacock. No, we're cutting this all out. I do feel like American Dreams really missed an opportunity to have me perform as Mary was. Yeah. (laughs) I would have loved it. I mean, you were a teenager, right? When that show aired? I think so. To their credit, I do think those sisters were actually a good choice for the Weiss sisters. Uh They've got that kind of blonde cutesy look about them you know they were both very pretty i think the deaf sisters are pretty yeah it seems it seems like a good choice i don't know should we wrap this up let's if you want to get in touch with us you can email us at husbandandwifetime at gmail.com or follow us on instagram at husbandandwifetime we also started tweeting that's right at husband wife time if you like this episode please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts thanks bye bye